Today we're joined by somebody that uh, professionally has knocked out more people than Mike Tyson. Unbelievable. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'd like to welcome Alex Fatu to the show. Well, thank you for coming on. Also, appreciate you uh, hey. taking some time out to have a chat to us, uh, old fellas. That, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jack. Thanks. Uh, Jack, I'll, I'll let you introduce Alex in a bit more detail, how you know him and, and stuff like that. Oh, Alex and I go uh, <laughs> way back. Uh, you know, played a bit of footy together. Yeah, Probably appropriate yeah. that it's episode 17. Uh, I remember when we used to play a bit of footy together, the odd occasion that Alex was on the bench as an impact player, you know, he, you know front rower. You know, most front rowers, when you know, sort of wear a, a jersey 16 or 17. My brother Alex over here would always sort of go for the 22-23s. You like those tight jerseys, they big, big muscles. Oh, so. yeah. And how's the family? Also, how's everyone going sort of in lockdown? Yeah, no, they're, they're good. I think um, they're at the, as, as it is, you know, when, when you're all locked in together in a bubble after a while, it starts, you know, the romance of it starts to wear off and people start to get in everybody's way. So um, I'm all right because I, I, you know, as, as we chat later on, I still go to work. So I... I leave them all to sort of do a bit of hunger games and fend for themselves, and I come home and see who survives. <laughs> no, Alex, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's it's been uh, it's been hist- uh, worrying me all day trying to stay an anesthetist. Is it? Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, you you're not the only one. It's one of those words that um that not even many people get right, you know, and yeah, yeah. and we just we just when people however they say it, we just go, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, that's uh that's how you say it. If you yeah. can tell us a little bit about that, well there's are there many um, Pacific Islanders doing that sort of work? So my my actual role is an anesthetic technician. Um and if I can describe that it's um we are part of the anesthetic team. So uh, part of what we do is like if if we have a look uh, we work sort of alongside the doctor who is the uh, the anesthetist. Wow. So, you know, yeah, so they're the, they're the specialist um, doctors in anesthetics. And many, many years ago, they needed someone to sort of specialize in assisting and helping them with medications and everything to do with anesthetics. Wow. And that's well, where our profession came along. Why, yeah. why, how did you get into it and why? Um, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, pure chance, there was an article in the New Zealand Herald and, you know, I'd come across the scheme and we're, we're sort of phasing out of how we sort of did it back then. It was like an apprenticeship style. So you come along, interview for a job and, um, and you get on the training scheme and you study extramurally through the university. So that sort of appealed because I still had a young family back then and, and it ticked boxes I wanted to get into healthcare. So um, to be totally honest, pure fluke. But it, um, it, it sat in the column of me wanting to get into sort of healthcare and helping people in that area. What did you do before that then? Also, uh, were you were bouncing, weren't you? Were you the bouncer? No, oh, no, no, just bit, odd bits and pieces. I was doing a fair bit of um, um, just print work. So on, on main, main print line, just on uh, packaging and stuff. So, so on, on plastic film, which turns into packs of chips and, and different types of packaging so it's sort of like solvent printing so real industrial um print work so totally opposite to where i'm at now yeah so how long does it take to get qualifications to do what you do so currently we're still in that um 
it's it's a diploma which we're currently heading to a degree but so in the scheme currently you're you're trained on the job for about three and a bit years and you're also you also study for that same amount of time so you have to juggle uh, full-time work so you have to juggle doing your normal shifts whether it be night shift afternoons or days um, and study as well and, and come back to work so about three and a half years and then you sit um, you pass your university stuff and it's through AUT and yeah and then you set a final sort of registration exam through the um, National uh, New Zealand Anesthetic Technician Society. Yeah there's only probably about two percent of the technicians workforce uh, are Polynesian so it's really something uh, I try to push around you know get get awareness of who we are. Yeah for sure I mean it's not a it's not an occupation that um you know, many people would even think of really eh? that. Uh, no, more police, no, definitely. And, yeah. yeah, doctor, nurse, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, it's there's um, there's Jack, I think we were talking by text about um, a program I think Jack was doing a bit of teaching on, and it's you, you go out to the year 12, 13 school uh, students. We, we, I'm at county, so we're out south, do the south side schools, and I use that platform to try and create awareness of. Um, our, our role and even anesthetics, you know, anesthetics in general, um, because no one really knows. Everyone thinks you, you turn up, close your eyes, wake up and fix. But yeah, there's there's teams in there that, that do work. And it's such an important part of the procedure. Oh. I mean, if you're not knocked out or relaxed, yep. things can go horribly wrong, I would imagine. Oh, definitely. It's funny because um, with a... Um, so we have, uh, you know, a new lot of trainees and I was working with a trainee today, uh, today is a Tongan boy named Tavita. And we had that exact discussion. Um, you know, if you watch Shortland Street or Grey's Anatomy, the anesthetist that they always portray on those, uh, it's like always the weird little weird guy who sits in the corner. But um, so our role basically, if, we, if I can try and sum it up, our role is we give them drugs to put them off to sleep. But then... Once they got to sleep, they uh, they stop breathing. So you know, there's a problem. We got to have the patient breathing, and then we fix that by providing them with an airway. And then in comes you know, Mr. Top Dog, the surgeon, or Mr. Miss Surgeon, and they'll start the operation. But that'll that'll cause pain to the patient, you know, so because they've got to do a cut or whatever. Now it'll cause pain, and so we got to sort pain issues out. So basically, we we optimize the the patient for for surgery before the surgeon sends up. And comes in and does their does their role. Yeah, so very important. They can't start surgery without us. So yeah. Yeah. That um that particular program that we talked about, Alex, was the mm. uh, the certificate in health sciences. Yeah. Uh, which is which is run out of the uh, University of Auckland, part of the Faculty of Medical and Health Sciences. Um, can you give us some sort of feedback on what it was like having those students come through? I mean, these are students, Māori and Pacific Island students that have come through. And, and again, they all have probably have dreams of becoming doctors and nurses and yeah. pharmacists. But to be exposed, because that particular program, which I did teach on, they basically had internships and exposure to, to people yeah. like yourself. I mean, what is it like to basically get in the air and say, look, you know, there are other options for you, especially here. Such a oh. And for, for for my side on that program, it's um, I try and come from an angle where again I, I try to introduce anesthesia, you know, uh, rather than talk about, you know, I did when I first started. It was funny because um, I had this amazing sort of uh, like an essay as if I'm still, you know, trying to write for the uni, 
and and I, I stood there and I spoke to them and then they started to have this little affliction where their left eye started to close and the more I spoke then their right eye started to close and I noticed that they all falling asleep so I, you know uh, it's not good when you're trying to inspire kids and especially you know especially our bus speaker so I developed this chat where I just introduced the world of anesthetics and and I'd bring them in and I'd, I'd grab anyone out of them and I'd pretend that he broke his arm trying to be the man playing rugby so he needs an operation so I created scenarios and introduced okay so here's a problem he's now asleep he can't breathe how can we fix this so I've got a whole lot of the the group to try and problem solve and that's how I introduced like um, anesthesia to them and then you know just tie it off so that and you can't you can't avoid if you want to be in any of these things you've got to do hard work you know that that sort of message and then that's where I come in right at the end with um, just know that if you don't make your top goal you aim for, and that may be trying to be a doctor, come out of med school or whatever, trying to be a doctor, if you don't make it, mm. that's not the end. You know, there's, and then that's where I start introducing the specifics of our role. You know, it's not that can't be the be all and end all that if it's not like you failed, if you don't make it there, you oh. can also come through and help in different areas. Do you mix up the, the amount of stuff you're giving the, the patient or what do you call it? Yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know, we've got medications to treat a um, whole lot of things. So medications for pain, uh, medications to keep them asleep, medications, you know, if heart rate goes up, we've got medications to bring heart rate down. So it's like a fine balance. Um, so, and it, it's the beauty that I like. It's, um, you know, so if either of you were to come in for an operation, we have to tailor it to yourself. So we can't go... This will work for you, Pat, and it'll also work for Jack. You know, one might, um, you know, one might like Jackie might run 10k every day. So you know, we'll we'll treat him as a high performance athlete. If the as fridge was that far, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, it it's tailored. The anaesthetic is tailored to people, and then you get you know our population diabetes and mm. high blood pressure and 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 whatnot. But, yeah. Do you find that, um, I guess, if a Māori or Pacific Island person sees you, they're a bit more at ease in terms of sort of going through the whole process of being put under, having a brown face yeah. sort of before you go yeah. under is a good thing? Yeah. I um, and, and that's my, um, when I talk to our Pacifica kids, you know, and that's my sort of my nail on the coffin. That's my, that's my selling point because... You know, I just, you know, we'd describe it that this could be your uncle, your auntie, your mum or your dad or your grandparents. And um, just to, to see, there's a lot of mistrust with our Pacifica um, elderly people with the health system, if we're a bit honest about that, because it's an unknown area to them and something that they can grab on and latch on and relate to. Uh, it's, it's a great thing. So that, to me, you know, that's my point of difference uh, amongst and where I'm at, I go, I talk about, you know, many examples, how we just um, put them at ease. And, and I've gone off and I've learned to sort of, learnt sort of um, how to speak, you know, just to make sure I'm getting it right. I can't be um, that Samoan boy who turns up to see the elderly person and, you know, you talk like you're talking on the street because they'll just look at you and go, hey. Well, I see you're wearing an Eden rugby hat, Dales, and I know which, you play footy. Which Eden rugby so, hat? <coughs> I'm just going to see your little uh, rugby journey. Now, my journey started close with, with you, Jack, when we played for teachers, where your dad, John Lomax, uh, 
Oh, sorry. Willie, Willie Gibbons and Roger's dad, uh, John Lomax, um, he, he sort of looked at me and it's funny, uh, when I first turned up, I played midfield. John looks at me and he goes, uh, do you still enjoy playing rugby? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, okay, so one, um, you're too fat, too slow to be a, a 12. <laughs> and, and, and two, I need someone to come in the front row. Yes, so, uh, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey. so I went and, you know, joined my mate Jack and, and, and old Hemi, Joseph, uh, and playing front rows. And, and, and I never looked back since, you know, and he was a kind of a coach who, he, that, that team always sticks to me because he was kind of a coach who sort of hard work gets rewarded and, you know, honest conversations. So if you stepped out of line, even though last week you were the favourite, you still get, you know, bollocks for stepping out of line. So, you know, values, eh? Yeah, and, and I mean, and, and from there, I try to maintain that. We play a bit of Whitec going in the senior grades and and then that, then I transferred over to Wider for quite a few years. So, and there, there were some great players when I was at Wider. So, um, you know, even Lawaki come from through school, but then there's, Dudes like Tani Funga, who's coaching out at Ponsonby as well. You know, there's some good hookers and hunger, good hookers like that. And, you know, so it's a great Westie boy. So another, it's, uh, the Toy Laws, who created a good, like a club culture. You know, you got to buy into the club. So that's why I stayed there for a bit. And, and then, yeah, so things got a bit expensive with the petrol. So, because I was still coming from around Central. So, uh, uh, we decided to go through like Roscoe District and then to Eden, so yeah. and that's where I've been ever since. Yeah, you guys are the old uh, the old Eden rugby. So yeah, currently uh, I'm in my third year coaching with the um, forward and defensive coach for Eden rugby at uh, and the Prem's team. So yeah, alongside your mate Dave Bateman. Yeah, Bates done well. I mean, you know, he's been yep. in charge for a few years now. Um, yep. I mean, you know, uh, Batesy was our halfback at, at Roscoe Brown. Um, mm. Smallest on the field, but the biggest heart. And yep. uh, his coaching, you know, his coaching really stacks up there because he's done really well. He's been very loyal to the club. Yeah, he's done a lot of courses, IRANs, all that sort of stuff. Mm. But I mean, I, I saw in a recent post that you know he sort of attracted the likes of Finau Maka and to sort yep. of compliment yourself and guys like Josh Blackie. Josh Blackie, um, yeah. I go, man. I mean, what's it like now? I mean, Eden have done really well over the last sort of. Uh, three or four years. I mean, I remember the Free Island Trophy you guys took out a few years back. What do you think sort of yeah. been responsible for that sort of change? I think um, just getting the mix right, you know, um, for many years. So I think Eden, I've been there for, as a player now, as a coach for a good 10, 11 years. But I think we've always like had good forward pack, average backs or good backs, no 19, you know, so it's trying to find their balance. And then when you're find, finding their balance, just giving them that, their buy-in into the club because um, we've had many a year where, where guys, even coaches, players and coaches, have just come flash in a pan for about a year, two years, and then gone. You know, mm -hmm. so no real sort of real investment into um, what is amateur club rugby. So I think one of the things is um, Dave is... It's, if I push back a bit, I think it's about a five-year sort of progression up, and and Dave's been a massive part of that, and he's he's been able to instill and, and surround himself and allow players, the right players, to sort of um, buy into the team and drive how how we can play, and 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 
and, and it's been good currently where we were able to have a conversation with the likes of Finamaka. So we we me and Dave had a conversation with him uh, um, before him coming on board, and it's really good. And and he's able to sort of see there's potential still in Eden, and even with Josh, our conversation with Josh is through his. Uh, I think he's got one of his kids in our juniors, and we've got a massive, we've got an awesome junior club going. Okay. So yeah, yeah, it's um it's hard for a club like Eden to yeah. because Mosby's just down the road, right? So yes, yeah, yes. Um, but you've had some, you've had some, you have, and you've still got some good young talent. I mean, you had Mike Umanga's boy come and play yep. for a season with you guys, and now he's playing for yep. for England, isn't Wasp, he? Yes, yeah. and he's and he's in. Yeah, Eddie Jones has got his eye on him, yeah. um, and and that is true. And I think one of the things, um, so if we we talk about Ponsonby, and the funny thing about Ponsonby is, my wife's younger brothers on their coaching staff as well, and we have um, good little chats at Kongai, so we share stuff and. But um yeah, so old Jeff Yerome, so um the the good thing about Ponsonby is they're a good um they're a good sort of thing to model stuff off. So they've got they earn they deserve where they are because they've earned a lot of their stuff through um old boys giving back, uh coming back and coaching or, or giving back in any sort of way and then just the the volunteers and just it just continues to good support cycle like that. Um, and we've tried to continue that with us as well. So, you know, a lot of our coaching staff, um, myself and Dave, we're, we're Eden people. Um, we've got our reserves, um, our premier reserves. Coach uh, Angus Tatavau's um, older brother, Stu Tatavau, mm-hmm. and his crew. So, we're, so just trying to make sure we're, we're, we're being consistent. Mm-hmm. And um, But, yeah, definitely it's a tough thing. The two central clubs, you know, in Ponsonby the the one that stands out quite well, we just got to aim to be consistent. Is we can't that, aim to try and... Is Jack Casey Pickering still part of the, your yep. Yes, old Moose. Moose. Yes, um, he's, he's, um, he's come a long way. And, and, and I say he's come a long way is because we, uh, last year we identified Jack um, or Moose to come up for a couple games because he was still eligible to play 20s. Yeah. And um, I think first game was against Maris. Then I put him on and and trying to see if a young body like that can um, deal with big, older, hard bones. You know, mm-hmm. some of the Maris boys. And yeah. it was um, and he just put in a, a good, consistent three-week performance, and yeah. he never went back down to the twenties. He just continued to earn. So he stayed up with us. He was our rookie of the year, and he stayed up with us last year. Yeah, good mags, Captain. I hear uh, old uh, old Moose. Yeah, yeah, he's in that uh, photo behind me here. With uh, that's when oh, we, yes. that's when we went up to Senex. My son was the vice captain. Oh, no. Moose yes. was the captain, so I've been keeping a, an eye on him. Well, what's happening with with Club Green Hills? Have are there any sort of indications when if it will start up again? Will there, will there be a twenty twenty season? Yeah, there's um. So we're waiting for word from um, Auckland Rugby this week, and they'll be. They were all waiting for um, Jacinda to have her word on Monday, Monday, and and, and go from there. So that New Zealand Rugby will give their word to Auckland and Auckland Rugby. So they've all they've all developed the plan, but sort of waiting to see how things are progressing. And and if, and it's just it's just purely my opinion. It is potential because club rugby can function um, without say minor uh, ten players. You can. You can put club rugby beside Mitre 10 and if Super Rugby 
plays you can put all three sort of beside each other and play because we're not we're not tied down by um contracts or tv deals or nothing so as long as there's fields and we've got enough allocation of referees and officials yes club rugby can go till like september mm -hmm. uh, unless cricket tell us to get off the field <laughs> but um yeah there's we'll, we'll definitely know by the end of this week where the hard the, the difficult part for us is keeping players engaged and uh trying to yeah. get them to stay fit yeah have you sort of got your players obviously training at home or doing what they can yeah there's a there's a there's a good core um and we're always wary that um you know if you're not a professional player you know so it's, it's not like we can turn around and say this is mandate that you must be you know you must get a bronco of this time or something but we're always wary that so we just try and lay an expectation and then try and ensure that and the boys have been good the, there's a good senior core group sort of um trying to maintain it uh, it's funny, Pat, when you mentioned um, Jacob, uh, Mike's son, Jacob Umanga. Um, he, we, we, you know, one of the things, and we also had, um, I'm not sure if you guys know, Levi Omoa come down for us as well. Uh, midfielder played uh, Tasman and then come up through um, Leo McDonald to sort of back up for Nonu and 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 and, and Sunny Bill last year. So we're uh, we're slowly. We're slowly being consistent enough to be recognised. At least having a good forward pack for for some backs to come play behind. And yeah, yeah. And before before Jacob left, I said uh, I said to him, Sully, uh, I'm sure you can play one World Cup for Samoa before uh, before you go to England." <laughs> but yeah, the Red oh. Rose is too strong. Well, if they change those el eligibility rules, like they're talking hey, about, hey, hey, you can yeah. put him and Manu Tuilangi together, mate. They're really, like Beaumont's saying, right? Like he wants to <laughs> a chance to yeah. start more, so why not? Why not? Yeah, never know. Have enough uh, players for them, so. Mm. It's, um, it's pretty cool you can do your work as well as, I mean, because coaching's uh, it's not an easy job, man. I mean, you've got two pretty oh. difficult sort of uh, pastimes there that you're uh, trying to balance as well as a family. How, how do you do that? You must have oh, a very I'm lucky. Yes, yes. You know the, the the saying. You know you've to, a coach's a coach's life has to be finely balanced between dimensions of work, yeah. wife and family, and uh, and on and in the rugby club. And sometimes, you know, I'll be honest. Sometimes the balance is tipped one way or the other. But um, it, it, if it's funny because I where I'm at as an anaesthetic technician, my current role is in education, or coaching and mentoring, and um. Yeah, I, I laugh at some of the boys. I try and transition some of the stuff. Say, for example, we do in um, the operating theatre simulation trauma training. So I try and bring some of the um, things that we learn there, like um, like just communication, level of communication at speed under pressure inside the operating theatre, mm -hmm. and try and tie it into rugby. If just just a little bit, um, Alex, in regards to the the job that you do. I'm not going to try and pronounce it again, but. Yeah. Uh, we're knocking or helping to knock people up. But um, what's the pathway? How do, how do you get into that? How do you, like for somebody that's leaving school and doesn't really know where they want to go to, like, what qualifications do you need and how do, how do you get um, into that sort of role? So ideally, um, because it's um, more you, you, you apply to try and get onto the job scheme. So um, you're basically in essence applying for a job 
Um, so, you know, try and, especially young people when they, when they think, oh, this sounds, this could sound like me. Um, they've got it, you know, self-promotion within an interview and, and, and it's areas you, you look within your DHB. So, um, Auckland City Hospital, Counties Manukau, Waitakere, sure. Um, and then look around the, 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 um, there are other training hospitals, which are like your private hospitals and that's, uh, your Mercy Escorts and such. So finding, doing a bit of groundwork and finding which of the hospitals, if definitely the, the big DHBs and which of the other sort of private hospitals uh, are training hospitals. And, um, and, and why I point out it's like a job interview is because um, you will turn up and you have to try and compete with a lot of people to try and promote yourself as, as how to get into, why should you be considered to chum, come onto the training scheme? And that's um, so school leavers, or, and and even even people like myself. I I came from a different uh, different role and different workforce to to where I'm at now. And and one of the things I had to do was sort of how do I promote myself? At least do something sort of tailored to healthcare. And that's um, so even if you you can do papers towards you know human anatomy, your sciences, your biologies and stuff. So. Um, how can someone promote themselves more? You show that you've done a bit of, bit of groundwork, and in the universities out there, they've got um, these papers available for people to do as one-offs, also, uh, uh, or part of part of a general sort of uh, a program. And and if you do it, and it's a paper that sort of, say, for example, the human anatomy and physiology paper at AUT, where where the anaesthetic technician course runs through and also a biophysics paper. Those are two papers that are part of our curriculum. Mm. Um, so if you, you come in and you're shown you've done something like that um, beforehand, you know, and that's a, that's a good way to promote yourself um, as to why, why you've sort of, um, why you sort of want to be in this role. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, looking up which of the DHBs and who's hiring, when do they hire? It's uh, usually Jan, Feb, uh, or sometimes the middle, mid-year intake so at what time do they hire who's hiring and who's looking and one of the things i can tell you the workforce of the anesthetic technicians are very short um we need so for every one anesthetist in an operating room there has to be a minimum of one of us so if you think operations all over new zealand um there are a lot of we're 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 needed in all of them so um, there's plenty of work out there and um, plenty of openings for people to come through in the training program. That's fascinating to me. That's an avenue that I've never heard about or thought about. You know, it's like, wow. And then and there's massive opportunities out there for young people. What what um, school qualifications do they need? Like, um, what is it? What, what do they call it nowadays? <laughs> UE? Yes, yeah, yeah. So your sciences, your chemistries, you know, it's something... Something along uh, along the lines of that, um, it, you can, you know, because sciences are all split up into a lot of, you know, your biologies and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, something along the lines to at least sort of show that you can handle the curriculum, which is tailored towards um, sciences and, and physics and, yeah. and, and, and medicine, a bit of anesthesia, yeah. And maths, is maths an important one? Yeah, maths is... Um, I put maths in the category. It's important for a lot of things, you know. Um, so maths always has to sort of sit in and around there. Um, would it be one that is a make or break? Probably not. But um, 
you know, we have to calculate um, drug calculations according to a patient's weight. So we have to at least be able to do um, basic calculations and understand percentages and stuff like that. I think one person that would have been great at that, uh, but he took the wrong path, was Bill Cosby. He was uh, was pretty... (laughs) He wasn't... He wasn't... <laughs> oh, the, 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 the even even the even worst thing that comes out of our role is um, everyone recognizes that's the drug that we give that killed Michael Jackson. Oh, um, so like, oh, how rude! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, is that the stuff that killed Michael Jackson? So, we're, we're, and then we run through the story. Technically, Michael Jackson's doctor is not really anesthetist, and the cardiac. Alone. And, but but it shows but it shows um, anesthetics you know when when we give the drug and how Michael does when you give the drug and too much of it puts oh. you to sleep but then also stops your muscles to help you to breathe it stops all that. Well, do you have any sort of thoughts on some of the uh, the more conspiratorial tin hat sort of theories out there on yeah. where COVID nineteen sort of come from and why it's come about and that sort of stuff? Oh, it's um, it, it's. It, it, to me, it's great reading and great listening because it's, um, it's you know, you, you, you can't just um, sort of have something happen without uh, people bringing, you know, left, left, left field theories and, or, or, other, or other issues, you know, reasons. As to, and hindsight's a great thing, um, uh, you know, the podcast about um, how they should have gone about uh, trying to see if there's actually a virus and et cetera. But, uh, um, it's it's hindsight's a great thing to be able to build sort of stuff like that. But my my take on it is um, it, it it creates good dialogue and good conversation. So it's um, you know people are, are able to sort of dissect stuff and try and think laterally about things rather than always trying to take it from its face value. You know, you know the the leaders uh, the, or the the higher officials speak and we listen and we follow. You know, the great minds come from um, those who uh, have the ability to sort of actually hang on and, and, and pick it apart. So whether it's 5G that started this or uh, uh, who knows, uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. I think we can all agree it didn't come from some dude eating a bat at a fish market, right? Well, well, it's, it, and I've had some people point out because um, Samoans eat, eat bats as well. So, you know, it's not like, yeah, so it's, yeah. What about you, Jay? What um, what are some of your views? You're a very, very um, learned young individual that uh, pokes his nose into like uh, rabbit holes and likes to run uh, them every now and then. Yeah, I guess like Alex said, you know, you sort of, I guess, if critical thinking is the skill that you sort of need these days when you're looking at anything that happens in the world, you definitely have time right now when you're stuck at home or in your bubble yeah. to sort. Of Instead of stuff, I guess what's interested me and I, why I sort of brought it up is because now you have sort of medical doctors and researchers sort of coming out and sort of in support of some of the theories. Now, we're not going to sort of get into the theories in this, uh, in this episode about what's out there, but just when you have people inside the industry, people like you know, health professionals or medical professionals that are questioning things questioning viruses, questioning how they recorded the numbers, you know, when when you sort of have people looking at where a lot of the big outbreaks have been, New York, for example, and people saying, well, uh, a possible reason why it's such a high rate or they've been reported as COVID-19 deaths, for example, is because money comes from the federal government when you have cases of COVID-19. In saying that, 
we don't want to, you know, if anyone who is, I mean, in New Zealand, we're very lucky because we've only had, I think, how many deaths now? Um, a handful, oh, 12? Uh, yeah. Something like I that now. Yeah, I mean, uh, 1,500 or people that have, you know, um, that have come down with it and, and you don't want to belittle anyone's experience of it that's actually been through it. But at the same time, you've sort of got to look at what's happening out there in the world and, and overseas and the huge economic impact. Now, I mean, we were just chatting before about how you're off, Pat, you're off work until June. I mean, I work from home, you're off mm. work until June. If stuff gets a bit dicey after that, you know, it's a bit, well, you know, the economic, I guess the economic implications ought to have to be considered as well as obviously human lives and the human uh, impact as well. Um, you know, what do you think? Me? Yeah. I think all sorts of stuff, mate. And yeah, my main concern is, is the people that are suffering in regards to losing their jobs and, and stuff like that. I'm not, me personally, I'm not concerned about the virus. I've, I feel pretty healthy. I feel pretty fit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to get it because I, I think I can beat it off. Um, if, if the nana, well, my kid's nana gets it, that's another story. Or if somebody mm. that I know has a, an underlying uh, illness, that's another story. But me, myself, and my, my direct family, we're, we're all pretty fit. We keep moving. We try to eat as healthy as possible. Uh, if you're obese or if you're, you're eating junk food all the time or you're drinking or you're smoking a lot, then, you know, you, you're opening the door for it to walk in your mouth and in your nose and get to your lungs. So we, we do our own little bit to try and try and keep it off and, and try and shorten this, this lockdown thing. But um, yeah, I've, I've heard stories and I've, I've read things and listened to things and I have my own views on it and, and not everybody would agree with those, but it is what it is. Anything else you want to say, Alex? No. Um... Yeah, I'll probably probably one thing. This is an interesting platform. Um, I came across you guys. I think you you guys interviewed uh, Tillam, uh, who's he's another great central man, and uh, and after, and then then I see my mate old Jack's face on it. I was like, oh wow! And then um, it's, it's a good thing, you know. It's a good little platform, you guys. That are just out of curiosity, you know what what brings about an idea like this from you know to to specific guys that go, hey, you know, we should let's let's try something like this. What what generates um something, the beginnings of this, and then culminates into where you are now. Such a thing. Well, appreciate the uh, the feedback there, uh, Alex. That's uh, <laughs> coming from you, mate. Um, <clears throat> I guess um, while Jack was still in Hong Kong, uh, living the rock star life, I was I was over here, and uh, I guess I started uh, the sort of interview process with. Um, um, the inspirational Pacific people. And the reason why I tried to uh, hunt them out was because I was coming across a lot of people who were negative uh, and they weren't, they weren't inspiring me. And mm. uh, I happen to know uh, a few people that are, are very um, enthusiastic about life and uh, are making changes and, and doing different things in our community. And one of them, or well, the first one that I, I ever interviewed was uh, Tillam. And uh, he was pretty hesitant to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was down at that tag field for a wee while. Once I checked that, once I checked him down, man, his interview was pretty, pretty impressive, and uh, he's a natural in front of the camera, obviously, much yeah. like his, uh, his children and his beautiful wife Sally. But um, you know, Tillam, yeah. Tillam's journey with Tag was uh, something that I've always admired. My, all three of my children have been involved with uh, the team or the uh, the organisation that Tillam's uh, been head of. So, you know, I, I was always very proud to know yeah. Tillam and, and thought that his story should be out in the community. There were others there that I interviewed as well. There was. Uh, our cousin who's a nurse, there was an ambulance driver, yeah. uh, there was a fireman, Michael Tia, 
um, also a, a policeman, Jeremy Stewart, all young Pacific people making a difference out there, making our community safer and, and doing their bits to, you know, make Auckland as well as New Zealand a, a better place to live. Um, then uh, Jack came back from Hong Kong and um, Jack and I are both fans of podcasts. We like to listen and learn. And um, nice. I, I said to yep. Jack, you know, maybe we should get together and, uh, and do a podcast just, you know, just talking and talking to people. And um, yeah. it was a good idea. Jack, you want to give some of your, uh, your views on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like Pat said, uh, I think this sort of platform uh, is an opportunity for people just to, you know, for men, for people, for anyone, just to share their stories, to, to dialogue, to talk and connect with other people. I mean, you and I, Alex, haven't seen each other for a few years, so, a few years, so it's, <laughs> it's good to see you uh, again. Um, and get, I guess, Māori and Pacifica stories out there because there's plenty of them. Um, and what's encouraging now in this space is there are a hell of a lot more. Uh, a shout out yep. to, I mean, if you're looking to listen to a really inspirational Pacifica podcast, I'd really recommend uh, the Global Pacifica Leadership Podcast by Andrew Fa'avale. I mean, that's a really good one. You got, I think he has a bit of involvement with uh, Carverbowl Media, who also are running a series yeah. right now called uh, Pacific Level Up. So talking about the Pacific, yeah. and that's hosted by Associate Professor Damon Salesa from the University of Auckland. So within this space, and especially at this time when we're all locked down, uh, still a little clear, I guess, um, there's opportunities for these stories to get out there, which you might not mm. sort of get to see because everyone's busy living their lives, staying away from 5G towers and all that sort of stuff. Um, but here we <laughs> have an actual chance to share our stories uh, and connect with each other in a different platform, but in a, a platform that it's kind of foreign to us, uh, our generation, not that we're that old, yeah. but I mean, for this our kids, yeah. generations, this is what they look at. They look at the screens. So yeah. I think it's a positive thing if it's used in a way where you can get good positive stories out like Pat's been doing with his interviews uh, and just give a, a, an opportunity or a form for people just to connect and talk, uh, and especially when, you know, you're stuck in your bubble. So, yeah, good times. As long as our story's out there and, and is, um, especially like yourself, mate, I mean, I find yeah. today's one's awesome. It's um, such a fascinating uh, life you're living there, mate. You're, you're balancing your work, which um, is obviously dealing with, sick people and people that are potentially could die on the table sort of thing. So there's a lot of responsibility there. You've, yeah. You're dealing with a, um, a premier rugby team. I'm sure there's a few egos in that team that you've uh, got to deal with as well. And, and the time that you're spending at, at these different places, as well as balancing that with your family. I mean, man, that's, to me, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's what life is. You're, you're doing the best that you can and, and as much as you can. So I'd never have known the story if we hadn't had this platform to, have this discussion with so yeah yeah it's cool it's cool so thank you yeah well um you know I'm 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 I thank you both and I'm deeply honoured because this is the kind of thing you know I love to try and promote um Pacifica Maori in healthcare wherever in healthcare they end up and and I'm I'm just honoured to be on this um, and to be able to share something that I'm I'm pretty it sits close to my heart to try and see more Pacifica Māori out there within the healthcare uh, community and the system because um, they're definitely needed. You know, and like we talked about earlier, when our elderly sees a familiar type of face, they're immediately at ease. So uh, I'm immensely you know, humbled to be able to come on here and be able to sort of share something that's, again, that's definitely unknown. So, yeah, thank you both. You've got a great thing going. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the feedback, uh... 
and, and we're humbled to have you on, bro. I mean, to be honest, I mean, you know, it's, it's your story is awesome, as I say. Jack, anything else to close off on, brother? Uh, no, again, just a big thank you. Uh, thanks for giving up your time. Um, and thank you for the great job that you do looking after our people. I look forward to, if, if the season gets ahead and you guys play Varsity at home, I'll come down to Gribblehurst Park and uh, we'll watch uh, Varsity and maybe even wear my old Eden colours. So, uh, yeah, but awesome to have you. Awesome to see you, buddy. You take care. Is there, uh, any club, is there any club in Auckland you didn't play for, Jack? Uh, <laughs> only... <laughs> Yeah, probably should have probably should have gone. Hey, uh, oh. Ponies and probably Pokerana, everywhere else, pretty much. Wow, wow, incredible! All right, um, let, that's um, that's us, uh, Alex. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Um, it, it has been a, an interesting podcast for many reasons, but uh, mainly because of your story, my friend. But um, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much again. Thank you for doing what you're doing with our community, as Jack said, and and, and the elderly that come in and. You make them feel safe. That's uh, that's God's work, bro. That's God's work. But um, we look forward to yeah. one in person, mate. Um, we'd love to have come and have a second one with yeah. us uh, in person in my little dungeon here. Nice to meet you as well, by the way. And, and I'll I'll be popping over to say hello with uh, my boys playing um, playing you guys at uh, either Gribblehurst or out there at uh, their home ground. But, um, as I like to sign off, all love, no hate. Fala yeah, thank you very much.